0: Hello and welcome to the Inner Gamer episode 267. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brett Janoski.
1: And I'm Awesome Morales. And this week on the Inner Gamer podcast, we jump into Fallout 76, the Wastelanders DLC. And we, we don't bitch as much as before. So, yeah, listen to that. You're probably going to get a kick out of it if you listen to the other podcast about Fallout 76. Uh, well, yeah, Brett jumps into Farewell, which is the DLC level. DLC level for Life is Strange Before the Storm. And for the gaming news, Assassin's Creed Valhalla has been revealed. We're, we're a little indifferent, but it still looks good. Uh, we talk about the story, the gameplay, and a couple other details, along with The Last of Us 2 it has a new release date. We're very excited, but Ghost of Tsushima was pushed back. So we cover all that, plus a little more. And for our discussion topic, can Disney Plus be a gaming platform? We dive into what it will take... If Disney wanted to make its own potential streaming, but maybe launcher of some sorts uh, for gaming and how that might look and what we would hope for them uh, going forward if that was ever a thing. And that's it. So cue that music.
0: It is May 5th, 2020. Welcome to the Intergamer Podcast. For first listeners, welcome to the show. We make this podcast for our fans. So if you ever have any feedback, please give us a shout out on social media or like always, you can join us on our Discord channel. Click the link in the show notes. We got a growing community of people coming in there every single day. It's super exciting. So uh, if you're not in there yet, you should uh, join the club and join the party. Um, Even though quarantine may be going away soon, at least you can still join the club and just stay quarantined just for the good of society and play video games with us. So that's exciting. Um, Also, if you want to make the show better, please consider donating or simply sharing this episode with a friend. You can visit TheInterGamer.net slash donate to contribute. And also, just a reminder, every single Wednesday we stream live on Twitch. This week we actually stream twice, but not on Wednesday, um, ironically. But uh, we streamed Thursday and Friday, and that was a lot of fun. Like seven hours of Divinity Original Sin and like four hours of Fallout 76. So, yes, I said Fallout 76. You're about to hear about it. Brace yourselves. Brace yourselves. Yeah. yeah it's coming.
1: If you want to know what's happening here, go back, listen to our initial talk on Fallout 76. And then come back here, and we'll blow your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Mind
0: blown. Yes. Um, It's very interesting. So without further ado, let's jump into the podcast on (sighs) games. So Austin and I have been playing games a lot lately, and one of the things we've been playing as of late is Fallout 76 because they released, finally, their new Wastelanders update, which, for those that don't remember, last year at E3, they announced that Uh, they announced two things. One, they were making a Battle Royale that was going to be part of the game called Nuclear Winter, which still exists and is still in beta, but is a thing that exists in the game. The other thing was the Wastelanders update, which was going to bring NPCs and story-based content into Fallout 76, which, if you go back and listen to our old podcasts was a big detriment to Fallout 76 because a big nuke just went off and everything got exploded and went to hell and therefore people weren't around. So the only people you could talk to were robots or little like documents throughout the the world that you read to learn what society was like. Voice it was recordings. Very lost, barren voice recordings. Yeah. And just basically there was not any good story um, and at all. I mean, like the one thing you were doing was trying to find what it was the outlander or whatever I think was the person's name or mm. is that right? Uh, like no, the person in, that, in charge of Fallout 76. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so, whoever was fallout, in charge of Fallout 76, you're we trying to find that person. And um, it was just an empty story. It was a broken game. Um, lots and lots of issues, lots of performance degradation. And then over time, you know, we've talked about when they launched Fallout First, which was their paid subscription plan, you could get new features only reserved for people that paid like, I don't know, it was like 15 bucks a month or something like that. Um. Yeah, like hundred bucks a year. Fall first. Yeah, it's not cheap, and so that's in it. And the game also has microtransactions, so there's all these things in it that just played the game. And uh, but one thing that was missing, definitely, that could have made it a little bit better, was story based content with NPCs. So here we are now, present day. We have Wastelanders, and there are there's a whole story campaign that, from what I've heard, is like ten to twelve hours if you just have that campaign to play through. Um. And it has NPCs and you can go talk to them and have dialogue choices and your perks help you with that, those dialogue choices. And it's kind of interesting. And surprisingly, the game is actually not as buggy as it used to be. So I'm going to stop talking because I've been talking for a little bit and let Austin kind of jump in and give his initial impressions of (coughs) Fallout 76 Wastelanders.
1: Yeah, quick quick recap for me. It's just like so excited. I was so excited for this game. I bought the special edition we got the awesome power armor helmet. Right. we were just like, Brett's like, finally I get to play an awesome game with my friends. Cause I couldn't do it any other way. Uh, cause Brett doesn't like Bethesda games in general cause they're solo. And, uh, we jump in there and the beta was really like buggy and stuff. We're like, it's okay. It's a beta, right? Like there's, it's going to be completely fixed when we go into the real game and this is fine, you know, just deal with it. And then we get there and it's just, yeah, it was awful. But, um, We played for I don't even know maybe two weeks or something like that like we actually got decently far uh, right off the bat and then it's just you know one thing after another uh, Bethesda just kept digging himself into a hole they lost my trust and I was a huge Bethesda fan and I was just like yeah I just I'm done with this and you know all these things came out kept coming out you know some new DLC stuff and oh we fixed this but then we broke this and I was just like you know what this yeah this game's done I'm done and then Brett's like, hey, this Wasteliner thing, can I let's jump back in? I'm like, oh, great. How great can it be? And surprisingly, it feels like a real Fallout game for once. <laughs> and I'm very pleased with it. Surprise. Like, I'm actually having fun with this game. And I didn't think I'd ever say that, but I, I I, did. Like, I am. Like, you go in there, you talk to people. Voice acting isn't that great. That's yeah, fine. Um, this just, there's a nice repetition of, you know, go like go talk to somebody, actually have a conversation, get to know somebody, uh, go off, get said thing or kill said person, bring it back or whatever. And, you know, in the mix of all that, you're trying to manage your stats with being able to carry a bunch of stuff and then go back to your base and, you know, uh, repair armor or guns or scrap stuff and you know, there's inventory management that's a big part of this game, and I think the way that it works now, I mean, this is what they've been missing this whole time, was just talking to people. And I just am surprised how big that has impacted my experience. Obviously, they fixed a lot of things. Playing the games a lot smoother, like early on, there was a lot of stutter, and it really pissed me off because I couldn't go anywhere without it just getting these hiccups. I mean, that still happens, but it's not as detrimental to the experience as it used to be. And so we're running around the wasteland. Like a lot of these places look really amazing. I'm really surprised how much the photo mode actually helps me immerse myself in this game because I'll stumble across something. I'll take some photos and obviously when you're loading in the stuff or the load screen comes up, you have your pictures you've taken and you can just admire these great, um, you know, even though the engine is really old, they still managed to make it look, you know, fairly up to date, like 2020 graphics and stuff like that for the most part. And, you know, I like looking at that. And then we, uh, me, Scott and Brett all went on a mission and we all jumped Like we went into this underground, uh, I guess it's, it's a speakeasy and, we got on some instruments and we ended up all taking photos. And obviously, when something loads up, I get to see that memory, you know, and that's like an awesome experience along with all the stuff that we haven't been able to play this whole time. So, I mean, there's a whole gigantic experience. The world is surprisingly gigantic. Like, I can't, I didn't remember it being that big, but yeah. it is big. And uh, now that there's a lot of high level players. Like, you're, we were in this one map and consistently we heard. You know, hey, exit this area because there's about to be a nuke, and that happened like maybe almost ten times. I was like, "What the heck is going on?" <laughs> like, uh, but I guess when you get to end game, uh, you go you you nuke this one high level area to get even higher level stuff. To get, um, I guess per- only way to progress forward. I don't know what end game is like uh, right now, but you know, yeah. we're having a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been
0: much, much better. And like I've, I've said from the beginning, like the reason why I never like fallout four or fallout three is it's a, it's a solo experience. And I don't like, I want to play a fallout like game with my friends because, um, I just, I just get bored. Like, because you're literally walking around by yourself throughout this massive world and there's nobody to interact with or anything like that, except for of course, NBC's, but it, it doesn't, it's nice to have somebody to like go through that journey with. and, that it's, it's it's good that we have this now. Like it, it exists there, and it's brought me back into the game, and that I have a, kind of a new appreciation for Fallout, uh, having played this. But I still see it as um, there's still a lot of flaws to this that I don't, I don't know if it's a if it's just a Fallout thing that I don't like, or if it's Fallout seventy six specific that I don't like. But um, I mean, inventory management's a bitch, and I've I totally don't like inventory management. But I feel like I get over encumbered every five seconds and I want to collect stuff because I need to collect those things to craft materials. But I also don't want to go back to my stash every five seconds to drop stuff off to, to then have to then remanage later and put back in my inventory. So then I can go and you know, craft whatever I'm trying to craft to get a better gun or a better set of armor or whatever that might be. So I feel like there's this constant struggle of, collecting thing like wanting to collect all the things because they're all resources that can be used to build stuff but also not being able to because i get over encumbered so rapidly and wanting to make sure i instead have an arsenal of weapons and water and food on my person because that's ultimately what you need when you're traveling across the entire fallout space um so i mean like austin you having played past once like is it is it better in this one, those that management of stuff and the resources and all of that, or is it does it feel worse? I know you had mentioned mods, but like modding aside, like before you jumped in any of that, like what does this seem more of a nuisance in this game than previous
1: Fallouts, or is it about the same or better? You know for management of that stuff. It's very hard to comment on that because honestly, I don't remember Fallout 4 without the mods. <laughs> I didn't mod for that long. So that's the only, I mean, it was bad because I didn't want to deal with going. Okay. First I'm more mature. So back then it was a pain in my (laughs) ass. Right. So I was like, yeah, right. (laughs) We won't get into that. But back then it was like, okay, I'll get a mod. I can fix it. But this is like, I can't get a mod and I can't fix it. So there is this kind of like management of going back and forth and, Given what it is and and how it plays, uh, it's not that bad. And if you're saying it's not that bad, it must not be that bad. (laughs) It's not horrible, but it could be better. Oh, no, I'm saying it's terrible. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Well, you know, I I feel
1: like it's not that bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's the worst. I mean, because like every five minutes last night or last night when we were playing, like I was over encumbered and had to drop stuff. And I'm like, well, if I have to drop all this and I can't go back and, you know, salvage the junk and turn it into resources that i can use so and i don't like i mean i mean what's the frequency like should i be going back every five to ten minutes to drop stuff off at my camp is that like normal
1: um well i know how you feel and i think this is the issue with uh well at least with me i'm assuming it's with you as in fallout 4 and here in fallout 76 i would just collect everything right and i would just get over encumbered. like why am i over encumbered And then if you go into your inventory and start looking at everything that like how much uh, weight costs for each item and you have stacks of items, it's like, what am I actually using consistently? And there's a lot of stuff in there that you that I would be like, I need to take this with me because I don't want it to like I might need it, you know, but it's weighing you down. And the, the name of the game is collecting things and bringing them back. So how you go about managing your inventory is going to determine how often you need to go back to uh, back to your base or just yeah. to a stash box. So I think that's an issue for you, which I had to figure out myself because there's a lot of stuff in there. I was like, you know, I need liquid. I need all these things, and I need to have them on hand. But at the same time, do I need them with me right now? And the answer is technically no because you can always go back to your base if you need something, right? Yeah. So it's just, and then you pick a lot of stuff up over time, and and you know those stacks really start to stack up, no pun intended. And uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta watch that. So I've I've gotten better this last like when we streamed it, I got a lot better at looking at what I need and what I don't need. And when I go back to my stash box, like throwing a bunch of those stacks in there, like I don't need this right now, mm-hmm. and I might if I need it, I know I can come back. But most likely, yeah. when you come back, you won't need it because you've already gotten more in the world. So. I don't know. There's a there's there's a game in itself of doing that, yeah. And I know you hate that stuff. Yeah, it's it's
0: it's just kind of a detriment to me because I I mean I I get that. Like I did start learning after you told me about the weight thing. Like I had six proximity mines that counted for six pounds in my inventory, and I can only carry 170 pounds. So um, dropping those six pounds helped a little bit. And you know, like aid type stuff, like food and water and whatnot, doesn't really take up a lot. Um, I mean it, does, it can take up like 10 pounds or whatever but the big the big thing I think was definitely the extra weaponry but the problem is it's like my weapons that I have currently like none of them are good um, I have a sniper rifle that's kind of nice but it's weak but it's nice for like long range but if I'm like fighting somebody close up like they're, they're slow to shoot like the rate of fire is really really slow I mean they're all like bolt action kind of stuff but even still like for a bolt action it's even slower than I feel like it should be and like, I, they're all, like, two, three shots before it has to reload a whole clip, set of clips. And I haven't been able to find a better gun. I mean, I did find a machine gun last night, finally, like, late at, at, in the evening. But I felt like I was really, really pushing hard. And if I go to the crafting station right now, the only thing I can craft is the really shitty guns that I have right now. So I guess I have to be another, a certain level. I don't know if it's level 15 or level 20 or whatever it is when I kind of reach the next next threshold. But it's a, it, was, it was a big big concern for me that after like at the beginning it wasn't a big deal as much, but then as I started scouting more and collecting more stuff and wanting to craft more things, it just, it was, it was like work that I didn't want to be doing, but the inventory side part aside, which is like I said, a huge, huge part of this game. But that aside, like I think they've done a lot of quality of life decisions to the, the game that has made it better. Like, um, fast travels, cheap, Um, and if you're playing with friends, it's super nice because if they have a camp, like our camps, fortunately are scattered like all over the, the, the map. So if we want to like get somewhere easily, we just fast travel to one of our camps and then we're instantly that much closer and don't spend any caps on anything to travel, which is cool. Um, fighting enemies, like the enemy types in there, there's a lot of different, like we saw a lot of different enemies yesterday, um, that I was really shocked to see some of which were like extremely hard to kill. And just, like, when we were traveling to that one base and we hit that freaking scorpion that kept killing me and taking all my, like, trying to get to my loot that's there that has all the shit that I need to, like, successfully accomplish this quest. And then that scorpion was just, like, camping my body or my my bag of stuff. And I was like, no, I just want to get my chemistry kit and silver back, please. (laughs) But... It was, uh, it was cool. But yeah, that, that mission we did, the the Nuka Shine mission, which was super long, but that was really interesting because it took us through a lot of different... Like you got to explore this old frat house and then you had to go solve this riddle at the university and then go back to another frat house and like find a recipe and then go and like gather resources to make Nuka Shine. And then it's like that where you make it is in this basement of this tattoo parlor and it was a speakeasy. And that was just a really neat environmental kind of situation um that i that like fallout i feel like does a really good job at just environments and having things that you can like just bethesda in general like does a good job of having surprise things that you can discover that are really interesting and unique and can tell a story in themselves like the uh abandoned like roller coaster theme park up in the north side of the town there's a lot of stuff there to explore and see that just has a lot of character to it and a lot of a lot of uh a lot of storytelling that can be done just by looking at the environment right. and seeing what was here
1: so I, I appreciate that about the uh the world that they built i think it looks really and, really solid and that's what i've always appreciated about bethesda games it's just that kind of feature like you, you never know what you're going to stumble upon and they always take that well usually they always take that care and time I mean, even with this like I, i'm i'm impressed with the world regardless if the game sucks and it's not exactly what it should be for a bethesda game but in, in morgantown uh, I think it's the same town that you were talking about with the speakeasy. Uh, I came across a porta potty and I always open them up because obviously there could be, you know, loot in there uh some form or fashion. And there was a teddy bear that was holding a piece of paper up, sitting like it was pooping, and it had like a cigar next to it. And I was just like, those are little things that I find just awesome about Bethesda games. It's just like, someone's like, you know what? I'm putting this here. This is, this is what it's going to be. And it's like, you know, that in its own tells its own little story. And it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But, um,
0: you know, as far as the other things for this update, like the NPC stuff, I mean, it's cool. Like I've, I've enjoyed the update and I think this is what the game needed. Um, I, I kind of hope people come back to it and they continue to update it and make it better. Cause this is definitely, I just wish they had brought this out sooner and I like the way that they tied in this story bit saying like like basically the game has kind of fast forward a year. But then you can still go back and play the old quests that are already there, which are kind of weird in some cases because it acts as if nothing ever happened and that we're not a year in advance. But then you have these random people that are out there. So you can still do these old quests from like old days of 76. But then there's these new quests that are in the embodiment of we're now a year later in the Fallout 76 world. And there's people here now, and this is why there's people here because we're we've like transitioned through time. Yet the world itself largely is untouched and unchanged. But there's these weird discrepancies in quests. But I am glad that you can still do them. I just wish there was an easier way to distinguish which ones are new and which ones are old. Because I feel like majority of what I've done are old. And I mean, obviously the people want like the ones where you talk to people are new. But there's also ones we talk to robots, and are some of those new? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That's true. And then yeah, the last uh, complaint, Wait, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so with the missions, like, what, what I'm afraid of, because, you know, we've jumped back in, we put in a good about five, maybe eight hours of gameplay. Um, I started I started a new character, so I put in about that much time. Brett, maybe about five-ish, 45. Yeah, probably. Um, and I've got to, through some of the early missions that are now, like, right when you get out of the vault, people talking and stuff like that, and it's been great. And now that last night we've jumped back into some of the older missions that remind me of, like, why this game sucked early on. Um, what I'm afraid of is that, obviously, I think there's more missions throughout the game that now you can talk to people, but I'm hoping there's not these, this big, these big gaps in levels between the old missions that are really boring and you just talk to robots. Because the other one had us running around the uh, water park Looking for clues of this kid, I guess, who passed away or got missing or whatever. And it's just kind of stupid. And there's obviously people along the way and enemies to fight. But it's just like, this is a very small area to do this big quest. There's just like, why are we doing this?
0: And there's that one part of that mission where it said, go to the ammo range or the shooting range and pick up beer bottles. Yeah, Literally, your task was to pick up 10 beer bottles and clean up the park. Be a janitor. like, this is dumb. Like, don't put this like useless time sucking stuff. In. And there was no, there was that was not a benefit to the game in any way. It didn't add any value to it. There was no like hidden story. Like at least with the nuka shine, like you were gathering resources to build the nuka shine to see the effects of the nuka shine and see and like you know there was some there was some story tie
1: in to that. Yeah. Whereas with the beer bottles, it was just it was worthless. And you got but, two crafting stations. You can build at your your fort now. So, yeah. Like payoff. Oh, from the nuka shine thing. Yeah, yeah. You can you can create. Oh, nice. The fermentation and well, the two the two things they have there to, in order to create yeah, yeah. nuka shine. So cool.
0: Um, the other thing I wanted to complain about, <laughs> uh, not that I want to complain about everything in this, but I do <laughs> want to complain about this. Uh, whenever you're questing together, like the first night, the first day we played, um, I know that you weren't full as as into it, and I totally don't disagree with you because. Whenever I, you go into a quest that's part of this new, you know, system or whatever, you can join it one of two ways. You can either go in solo if you're in a party or you can go in as a team leader and your friends can come with you. And when they come with you, they're in there and can experience and play the story alongside you. But it doesn't attribute to your own accomplishments. So if I'm doing the quest you guys don't get the value of completing the quest. You still have the, which I mean, I guess can be a good thing because then you can go and do the quest yourself. But at the same time, like you just did all, spent a lot of time doing the quest and you didn't get any. I mean, you get rewards for it, but you don't get a quest completed in your quest list of stuff. Um, right. And it's that's.
1: Good. There's some positives and negatives to that. But go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll talk about that. Yeah. You know. No, no, you go ahead. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. That's all I got basically. It's just, I thought that was kind of weird. So the, the good thing is, is if, you, if everyone's playing and everyone like I complete the quest, Brad completes the quest, like every time someone completes a quest, your whole party gets like some caps for completing it, which I think is nice that, you know, because we're not completing it together as a group, at least, you know, separately, we're all actually benefiting from everyone doing something. So we could be across the world and someone completes a quest and some caps come in. And I was like, okay, that that's nice. I mean at the very least we get that, you know. Yeah. No, that that is one perk. Yeah. Yeah. A- another positive thing was early on, uh, you know, you have this the store you can go into and spend real money to get stuff. Well now in this form of seventy six, they have dailies and weeklies. So if you complete those throughout the day in the week you can actually get some of those, uh, I guess atomic points or whatever to actually cash in, uh, for goods at the shop. So that's nice. You don't have to spend all your money, like 30 bucks on a freaking power armor skin. You can just save up over time and and get some stuff, uh, which is, which is a big benefit from what it used to be. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, we don't like the microtransactions in general. So no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. with all said, like as a
0: package, like if you want to enter Fallout 76, actually there's one more thing I was going to mention. Go ahead. Something that I was reading online when people were talking about like their review and like appreciate an understanding of this new Wastelanders update. One of the things I found out is that very quickly as you're playing, if you're not level 20, the story missions become impossible to play. So the new story missions. So basically yeah, there's an expectation that if you're playing this Wastelanders update, you have been playing this game already or have had some character leveling in there. So you and I, since like, well, you started a new character and I just was behind on it. There's going to be a point until we get to level 20 that we won't be able to progress in that the new story content until we level up doing the other quests that exist in the game world. And then we can continue into that story content. Gotcha. So minor grind. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a Bringing people back in, like that's if you're a brand new player and you're level one, like if that that just kind of sucks because you wanted to try. Like that's not a good way to get people. There should be quests of all levels that can be done with human players to that are interspersed in with the other ones. I think to allow a newbie to appreciate this game for what it is, um, and to level cap it or level block it to level twenty. To be able to appreciate the good stuff that they've added is is going to be a concern. But I haven't we haven't experienced that yet. But I've heard that that's something that does happen as you're progressing through the story campaign that you get level capped if you're not at, or you get level blocked if you're not at level twenty. Yeah, yet.
1: I heard that too. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, most people playing it have probably been playing it for a while, uh, and hopefully, those who are just coming in like us, well, uh, back and not high that not level 20 you know we have scott who is i don't even know level 60 or something so he's able to help us get through some of these higher level uh quests and or enemies so hopefully you have a friend in there that can get you through that and then like we're were kind of grinding some events too and those give you xp and stuff so and resources so stuff like that should help you level up pretty quick yeah, I, would assume. I mean I have like I think I did like
0: three levels last night, I guess, while we were playing. So that was that was nice. So it does move fairly quick. But yeah. definitely a disclaimer to note if anybody wants to jump into this. And I, I do think like Fallout 76 at its point now, I mean it's not it's not a no man's sky story by any means. Like it's not a, a dud to an incredible breathtaking game. It's instead just a it's a dud to a so so game. And it's 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 got a lot of benefits, but it's also got a lot of negatives. Still and yeah, game still broken. Not as yeah. bad, but it's still broken. So it yeah, has a lot of issues. I still have so like I think the shooting is garbage. Does oh, not yeah. work very well. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think they're ever gonna fix that. Um, the but yeah, the world itself is cool. I love exploring it. I love finding these new stories that are, exist there. Um, so there's there's definitely some benefits, and now it's cheaper too. I mean, I don't think they're selling it for sixty bucks anywhere. I think you can get it for like less than full price, which is probably a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah they need to. So. I'd say Hit. if you ever like Fallout, it's it's worth investing into now if you did miss it at the beginning. But otherwise, I'd kind of watch some videos and stuff to see what you think because it may not be for you because the inventory management is a big detriment for me and the stories just are cool but not to the level of quality that you'd expect from a A title.
1: Right. And the DLC is free, so that's nice.
0: That's true. Yeah. That's, yeah. it, it should be. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. At this point, it definitely should. But I know GameSpot gave it a six. And, uh, you know, as much as I'm I, enjoying I, I, it, right IGN now, gave it
0: a six as well.
1: Oh, did that? Yeah. Like before I even saw that review, I was like, I think it's probably a six. You know, it's not a seven. It's redeeming itself from a, like a two or a three. So <laughs> it's pretty good on re- redemption wise. You know, you don't get really get that many points back when you, when something else gets updated. But, you know, it's it's about 6, you know, 6.5 maybe, depending on how far I get and what I enjoy about it. Yeah. Yeah, i probably, probably put it at 6.5 now that I've thought about
0: it. I mean, it's it's definitely, like for, for me, a 7 is an average game, 8 is a good game, 9 is a great game, and 10 is a masterpiece. Yep. And at a 6.5, this is less than average. Right. But it's still not bad. Because, I mean, if you're below
1: 5, then you're basically a terrible game. Yeah. Well, Um, for me, like it used to be back in the day, seven would be just like, even if it's an average game, I still wouldn't play it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. But uh, like, yeah, yeah. that's how I would gauge game informer games.
0: If there was like a seven or below, I would just be like, nope, not playing that. Yeah. Yeah. So we have high standards. I know we do. We do. So, uh, that's Fallout 76 updates, everybody, on Wastelanders. So very, very exciting. Real quick, I just want to mention, uh, if you all haven't played Life is Strange Before the Storm, you should totally go play it. I finally went back and played the, uh, the final bonus episode in Life is Strange Before the Storm. It was like an hour long, hour, hour and a half long, very short, but it tells the story of Max and Chloe before she goes off to another place, which is what kicked off Life is Strange 1 uh, when she comes back from traveling away for four years or five years so very very gut-wrenching soul-crushing kind of storytelling and I was just like wow this all happened in an hour and I wish I hadn't played it right before I went to bed because I went to bed very sad and it was it was a tough one but uh, highly recommend that game still I just downloaded Life is Strange 2 so I am going to jump into that here pretty soon and cannot wait to experience that in a more modern graphical setting and um, Just see what that story has to tell. So good stuff. And uh yeah, that's it. That's all we got. It's everything. Austin, you got anything else to add?
1: Nope. Love all you right, guys. Perfect.
0: That's going to wrap up our show this week. Or uh, not the show this week. That's going to wrap up the segment, actually. We're not done. <laughs> There's still more to be had. There's lots to be had. <laughs> but it's like but, uh, that's this podcast. Let's go. <laughs> That's gonna, I want to play more video games um, uh, if you want to ch- play games with us each and every week and join us on our discord channel a lot of people are playing a game called Project Winner right now which I have downloaded and cannot wait to play with them um, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that we actually talked to the developers at a convention not too long ago and um, I just want to jump into it and see what it's all about so that's been happening everybody's playing Escape from Tarkov which I don't play but we've been playing co-op games a lot so you can always join us for that and uh if you want to if you like what you hear you can leave us a review on apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend and stay tuned we'll be right back with our video game news here right on the inner gamer podcast in this event of quarantine life which is kind of lifted but not really but it's kind of lifted and here and there with there and all the things and exactly exactly <laughs> Have you ever found yourself on your way to a friend's house for a LAN party or a con-like dream hack with no easy way to transport your gear?
1: It's heavy, it's complicated, and you have to deal with about five minutes parking restrictions. Thanks to our new sponsor, Crazy Pro Gear. You don't have to worry about that.
0: They have an awesome pro-level backpack that can hold any mid-sized tower or smaller, your accessories, peripherals, and everything except your monitor.
1: We used it at QuakeCon 2019 and it was a game changer. You can also use it for board games, video game consoles, and game sticks, and more to make travel to the next convention or friend's house as simple as throwing on your backpack.
0: Head over to theinnergamer.net slash crazy, that is C-R-A-Z-Z-I-E, to purchase gear for your next event event a portion of the proceeds go back to us to support the inner gamer we'll see you at the next con you're
1: listening to the inner gamer
0: it is time for video game news in this segment we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry if you all ever want to contribute to next week's episode in this segment you can send us a question or comment at hello the and it'll be read right here live on the podcast, not really live, but you know, you, you get my idea. Recorded, you know what I'm saying live Recorded. when we do it. Live, yes, live from the studio audience in the heart of Fort Worth, Texas,
1: in Arlington, because we're two different in cities Arlington. right
0: now. Or in Arlington, that's that's just just admit the fact that Arlington is a little sister of Fort Worth, and that you're basically in Fort Worth. I'm just kidding. You're actually like deep in the heart of Arlington.
1: Yeah, I would <laughs> uh, love yeah. to be in Fort Worth, but, yeah. Yeah. You know.
0: awesome. Our, our Travis is like right on the border, but you're definitely. That's right. You're like in the heart of, you're so in the heart of it that I have to drive like four miles off the freeway just to find you. It's terrible. It's terrible. Anyway, so we're going to talk about some stuff, y'all. We have a couple articles to share, and I'm really, really excited to share this information. Uh, first thing we have to share is uh, Assassin's Creed, we've been talking about this for a very long time, knowing that the rumors are all saying that there's a Viking game in development for Assassin's Creed. And finally this week, Assassin's Creed, the Ubisoft team has come out and announced it and revealed what is now dubbed, not Assassin's Creed Ragnarok, but it is actually Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And it is brand spanking new. It's releasing holiday 2020. So this year, and it is going to be one of the first titles that is going to be on the PS5 and Xbox Series X, assuming the PS5 actually releases this holiday. Um, So let's dive in and talk about all the good things that are in the Assassin's Creed Valhalla. and All the bad things. Yeah. First thing I want to mention before we dive into this is I want to say how damn amazing the Assassin's Creed logo is because this has been the exact same logo that they have used since the very first game. And this game has gone through iterations and iterations and variations of time, history, everything. And no matter what history, like period of history they're in, this logo works so damn well in that thing. And I just think that's, this is just me being a nerdy graphic designer. Like logo design is a big piece of it and they killed it with this logo because here in this new logo reveal, they have two axes that form the shape of the triangle with the curve at the bottom, that makes what is always known as the Assassin's Creed logo. And I just love that they've just slightly varied it a little bit from game to game, and it just it sticks so well, it's, it's amazing. Um, so Assassin's Creed Valhalla, everybody, here we are. They introduced a trailer, it was a cinematic trailer, so there is no gameplay present yet, but in the cinematic trailer they showed a lot of things that were were showcased. One of the things we learned is that you play as a Viking. Um, the Viking can be a, fem- a male or a female. The name is uh, did I, I'm trying to remember how they pronounce it. I think it's Avor is how they pronounce it. So you play as Avor, male or female, and it is. I was having a discussion with our buddy Mark, who is a friend of the podcast, also a follower of our uh, channel, and he was talking about because he lives in Europe. So I was very interested to kind of hear his perspective on this game. And uh, I was saying how like I've, I, I would love to see Assassin's Creed kind of go very big and global and span a lot of different areas of the world, um, kind of. But then at the same time, I kind of like him kind of making it more contained. But he was showcasing a map of like basically where the Vikings throughout the course of history have impacted from a geographic perspective. And they cover a huge, huge space. Um, but we now know that this is going to cover what is considered a very small story bit area in the ninth century of the Vikings, as opposed to going more broad and global. And this is going to include the Vikings as they kind of try and take over and get new land, better homes for their families um, and come into what is now considered England. And apparently this is a turning point in this game. Like this, this era of history has a lot to do with uh, leading or setting the groundwork for what now become modern day England. Um, So that's, that's kind of the setup and the setting for this, this new trailer, but uh, this new game, but the trailer was, was awesome with an asterisk. It was very exciting to watch, but then at the end of it, I was kind of like, "This was fine," but there was it was very, I guess, kind of, I don't know, like it feels, I think you were saying, all, kind of samey.
1: Yeah, it feels the same. Like the Assassin's Creed always has, like it feels like the same every time. Same like cutscene design character movements to some degree, and I was hoping to get a little more, you know jazz out of watching this and i was like yeah it's cool and it really didn't tell too much just it really just kind of set up something so i really don't know obviously we're not supposed to know exactly what to expect but i thought we'd get a little more um but obviously it's the first tell maybe uh or like the beginning of this guy's story so maybe it'll be awesome but at this point i'm just not very excited about it it's just like it's cool but and I think they need they need a revamp, and that's why I was hoping to to get right right out of the gate. But you know, we don't know much. Well, just like, like, like a it. like a. What do you mean? Well, like again, like it's always been the same. Like it, something needs to change. It needs to feel different or like renewed in a way that you know, from gameplay and storytelling perspective, like Ubisoft always has, like we've said in the past, like these grand ideas with these gigantic open worlds, and the worlds usually seem very amazing and interesting and fun to be in, but when it comes to story and stuff, like it doesn't seem that awesome. Like It's always a so, um, question. Uh, yes. When
0: Origins came out, did you feel that that wasn't a departure from previous Assassin's
1: games? Um, honestly, I wasn't even going to play it. Yeah,
0: but I mean, you did play it, so I'm like, I'm wondering like what what your thought was because that <clears throat> I, I mean, I haven't played any of them, so right, I don't right. know exactly. But from what I've heard from people is that Origins and Odyssey were like a vast renewal, refresher, departure from previous Assassin's games and brought new life into it. So yeah, do you disagree with that statement? And If so, I'm curious like why, like what what your like what what about it was not
1: refreshing and new? That I guess you wanted it to be. I guess I do agree. It did put more life into it. Obviously, we, we went way farther back than you know where we originally started. Um, yeah. Well, and combat, changed a lot
0: too, right? I mean, like, yeah. it used to be very fat, like Batman style combat, and now it's more like God of War style combat, as far as what I've been told. Yeah. Like more like a new God of War or um, almost Dark Souls, Bloodborne kind of feel combat where you have to be more methodical and think about your moves and parry and stuff like that whereas before it was just like hack and slash mash buttons to and perform
1: combos. Right. So is was that is that I accurate? I mean that that's positive. Yeah, I mean that's accurate. I mean that that's more of a positive turn. Uh, you know, not to say that it hasn't been advancing over time. Obviously, some of those things just don't hold up like they used to back in the you know, original games and coming forward. But I feel like it has a distinct feeling in general and the way they tell their stories and cinematics and, you know, the gameplay, like the way the movement is and stuff like that. Like it just hasn't escaped that. I mean, maybe it can't just given it's, you know, what it is and that's fine. But, um, I don't know. (laughs) So someone said (laughs) like, how, how many more times can you milk this horse? (laughs) You know, it's just, it's been milked so much, you know, maybe it just needs to just die. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't necessarily disagree with that idea because, I mean, I, I love that they've built a franchise that they can basically kind of, they, they built a foundational story that can largely be taken anywhere. And I, I like that. And I like the premise behind the Assassins and the Templars and this whole thing. But I mean, looking back to the early days of Assassin's Creed, uh, the, the modern day component to it, the Animus and jumping in the Animus and entering into these ancestors' memories, was awesome, except I didn't like the modern day part of it. After a while, it got stale and uninteresting because just Miles. I think it was was it Miles was his name, whatever the yeah. main character was in the or da- Damon was it Damon? Desmond.
1: It was Desmond, Desmond, yeah.
0: Miles. That's what it was. Desmond Miles. He was just boring, very very boring, uninteresting character. So, but I liked that idea of like you're actually a prisoner in this modern day that is being sent back to relive these olden days times. And then they, from what I understood, because I kind of fell off of it after AC3, they kind of lost a little bit of that and just kind of got rid of it and moved away from it. But it sounds like there's still some modern day pieces to it. And I think they just, they've they've gone so far from what it was originally that they've started to like branch out that it's now the, the identity has shifted. And now it's basically, I just, I kind of want them to just, I don't know. Do I want them to get rid of that entirely? The modern day story part? And just focus in on let's make a historically accurate um, like game in this period of time. And just call it whatever it's called. But I just like this idea of assassins throughout the history. And I've, I've always appreciated that they've kept that foundation component. But they have definitely gotten a lot of misses. Like with Unity, it didn't do as well. Syndicate didn't do as well. Um, some games actually were just underappreciated. Like Assassin's Creed Rogue was supposed to be really, really good. Just... They didn't get enough hype because it was meant to be it was designed to be a middle ground game between like it was for old consoles and then new consoles came out they didn't want to lose an audience so they built this game specific for old consoles and that was kind of the the thing that kind of killed that game but um i don't know coming back to the the story of this particular game itself like i don't disagree that this could have become i mean i think at this point they're just using the assassin's creed name because it's got namesake um and they don't want to lose that, but I do. I would like to see them kind of branch out and explore something different in another realm. But I'm curious to see how this all ties into the Assassin's Creed universe because they brought back the blade, the hidden blade, as we saw in there, which apparently Odyssey didn't have that. Um, so the blade's back in there. Like, how does this assassin tie into the other bits of the world? Um, and what? I mean, this is this is supposed to be set before the time of Assassin's Creed One. Um, so it's, but I think it's also after the time of origins origins. Yeah. yeah. So it falls in a different kind of era, but it's, it's a different place. We haven't explored yet that much. And that's, that's got me interested, but a couple of things I want to talk about as far as like gameplay stuff that's been revealed and announced is that, um, and this is, this is the concern that I have is that it's, I feel like these Assassin's Creed games have, gotten farther and farther away from enjoyment for me because of the fact that they just get so big and every game these days especially as a casual gamer are getting so big and so out there with every like there's so much stuff and content in these games that you just can't you have to dedicate your life to it to actually enjoy it and i don't like that they've gotten so far from just it used to be very attainable and manageable and now like one a couple of things that i've heard about this is like you have the ship battles that are back not sh- let say ship battles but you're you're on your viking ships and you're traveling around they have this new feature that's gonna be something about raids where you can go on raids to collect resources from other enemy castles and stuff like that so we saw in the trailer there was a uh, vikings that were attacking uh, another enemy force And they have these big massive battles where there's people going after each other. And apparently that's actually a gameplay element where there's going to be these, rather than these more isolated battle instances where you're an assassin who's just going after like five people in a crowd, um, you know, trying to track them down. Like you're going to have these big, huge, like Vikings versus the enemy battle situations where you're raiding these buildings. And there's, that's a new element to the, the storyline. Um, they said there's going to be uh, like the the, the these large-scale land battles. They're going to have people traversing by the ships, spotting fortresses from the water to attack with a raiding party and massive raids. And then it sounds like your ship itself is going to be a haven for, you're going to get to know the characters on your ship. Um, and they're going to be like your brethren, like your, your, your people that you've come to, like you're going to start to learn more about them. And I kind of see it akin to what Red Dead Redemption 2 did, where you had your settlement. And you got to know the people that you were settled with a lot um, through the course of just talking to them, interacting with them. And some of them had story store that stuff that you could buy from them and whatnot. But um, yes. So yes. there is uh, <laughs> there's all of that that come, that ties into it. But then another thing too, that they mentioned is that I guess you can actually like build and enhance and grow your settlement. So it's kind of like literally a world building device where you're doing like in Red Dead where you have a small little settlement and you grow that and this this whole new mechanic is like like i just don't know why that exists there like this is a combat game melee combat game but you have like a settlement that you're having to grow and manage and collect resources for like i don't know what do you what do you think like is it just is it getting too lost
1: yeah it's just <sighs> I don't know why everyone feels like, I mean, yes, but I don't feel like, I don't feel like why everyone's trying to cram all this stuff in there. Right. Um, You you know, you can have it and that's fine. And I think, you know, relating this back to like God of War, I just looked up how long the main story is. It's 20 and a half hours. And then for Odyssey, it was 40 hours. Witcher 3 was 51 hours just for the main story. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just depends what you're trying to tell. And, you know, obviously, I always feel like, you go to you go to uh, Ubisoft for the worlds. You really don't go for the stories, the characters, and I, I really think they need to switch that around somehow. And the issue with the video game industry is you don't have a lot of good storytellers. because um, a lot of the people who are at the top, you start at the bottom, and they just made you know they're part of the production team, so you know creating whatever and putting the world together and stuff like that, and making the mission stories. Not to say there aren't great storytellers in video games, but I feel like that's always been an issue for gaming in general. Uh, God of War or Naughty Dog being, or not Naughty Dog, yeah, Naughty Dog being an exception, um, along with the God of War team. Uh, but I think, you know, and I, and I feel like Ubisoft is very corporate too. You know, they've given us a lot of good stuff and, you know, it's it's pretty good for the most part, but they're like, okay, what's going to make money what are people like? How can we get people interested? I mean, it's the same thing with like Netflix versus Fortnite. How do we keep people on us all the time? Let's put a bunch of shit in there and they'll enjoy it. Hopefully, um, for the most part. And that has its own negatives and positives to it too. But I feel like, you know, in general, I wish that people would tell a story. Like I, I remember when, um, Wonder Woman for two came out. And how long was that story? Like eight hours, 10 hours, you know, very short yeah, comparative short. to back then, but it was a hell of a campaign and people still remember it right now. Like I don't care if your, your story is 10 hours, 20 hours, or, you know, 50 hours, like the witcher, just tell me a good story that I want to be in and you can put all the extra stuff in there, in my opinion. And that's fine. Like it's, if you tell a good story, I'm going to want to play the rest of your game. Uh, same with, uh, Spider-Man for the PlayStation four. And that one was, that one was, okay, didn't want to pull anything up for me. Um, I mean, it was probably like 30, 25, 30 hours. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't anything, you know, super crazy. Uh, Spider-Man, 16 and a half hours for the main story. Yeah. Like, that's, that's basically
0: <laughs> put it put it into perspective of, like, if I can beat the game, then it's, it's it's not a long story, but it's probably the right length of story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, Because I'm not going to beat a game that's going to be like... I, I don't beat games that are over 35, 40 hours long. It's like impossible for me. Like The longest game exactly. i probably beat is Mass Effect. Which right. I think Mass Effect 2 and 3, I probably put like 35-ish hours into. Right. Um, but I can't... And it's funny for you to say like that the average length of Spider-Man is 16 and a half hours. It makes sense, and I think that's accurate. But I feel like I spent way more time in that. But it just... that this the the idea of me spending like on death stranding 60 hours to complete that game is just beyond my comprehension i just don't have that time anymore to do that and the fact that these like i I, there's obviously a huge number of people out there that want to play these games and do play these games and that's why they continue to make these super long epics i just I just can't foresee like everybody I talk to which I guess it's the people that I'm surrounded by but they say like they just don't have time for the games anymore so who are who is buying these games and playing these super long epics like all the, I mean you gotta you got to be very choosy about what you play because you can't play 20 60 hour games all the time it's just not possible it's weird
1: yeah there's a relation between you know time you know gameplay time versus like how much you're spending and obviously that's a very arbitrary number to come up with and you know subjective uh but i mean i think everyone generally knows what a 60 game is worth and i mean if you compared you know um assassin's creed if you 100 it it's uh or odyssey it's 124 hours right our main main plus extras is 78 roughly and then god of war is 31 Main plus extras and then completion is fifty one. I mean, they're both, you know, sixty dollar games, but obviously how much do you want to get out of a game and how much is that actually worth? Like, is it worth putting all this stuff, like money, time and effort into these things? And I I I just don't think I I don't think it's worth it. Like you can make a good game in twenty hours, twenty hours worth of gameplay. I agree. So and I,
0: I, I like what like Odyssey did last year is that and I you know, grant not last year, two years ago, but it still was a big epic in itself. But like they they brought out Odyssey and it was 30, 40. What do you say? 40 hours of gameplay or something like that. I wish that was 40, more like 25 yeah. or 30. And then they brought out like three DLC packs that were free that were additional content that kept you coming back to the game. And I, th- I, I would appreciate that. Uh, Because I'm still playing Borderlands. There's new content they've released for that. I'm still going back to it to play some of that stuff. You know, I beat the game. Um, And I I like that. But I hate that they put so much of this at the very onset of it with these games being so large. I mean, I feel like half of these games, they could just say, here's a 20-hour game. And then in three months, you're going to get another 20 hours of content. I mean, you're still getting the money out of the game. But it could be a way to entice people to buy it more throughout the year because... You're gonna get now. Don't pitch it as like this is an incomplete game. But yeah, right. Like here's here's the game, and then there's more to the story that will then come out at a later date. I feel like they could they could do something with that, but yeah, I don't know, they just don't do it. So
1: a game for me that I feel like, well, Bethesda games in general, but mostly Skyrim. The reason I enjoyed that game so much and put so much time into it, it says that the main story could be roughly completed in 26 hours on average, right? That's not very long. I honestly think you could beat it way quicker than that, um, like thirteen hours probably. Uh, but completionist, if you want to complete everything, it's about two hundred thirteen hours. Or if you just do the main mission plus some extra stuff, it's 124. Like, Which like one hundred twenty four. Like what? What is that? Skyrim. Okay. So what I like about that is that you can you can complete the mission, the main mission, like really fast, like super quick. Well, there's a whole world out there for you to explore and you can find side quests that are literally its own m- type of main quest, you know. It might be half the time or a fourth of the time, but still, like, you meet so many people along the way, you get to see so many things, you kill a lot of things, get a bunch of loot. Like, it's it's satisfying in itself, and I, The Witcher does that in a similar way as well, um, and so does God of War, actually, you know. The the side quests are way shorter than, it, you know, compared to the East, uh, Skyrim or The Witcher, uh, but... I feel like at the same time, like if you want to get that extra fluff, like dig into the world more, you can make those quests to round out your world in an in interesting and you know thoughtful way, instead of just you know stupid side quests. Fetch well, mo- most side quests are fetch quests. I feel like, but <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Anyway, um, yeah. Well, real quick, so we can before we move on to the
0: next story, I just yep. wanted to cover a couple of these other details that we haven't talked about yet. Um. Uh, so in this game, I'm pulling an article from IGN that talks about a bunch of details that came not only from the trailer, but from other interviews and stuff like that about it. But, um, this game is going to have a lot, a lot of changes of combat. So it's going to put a lot of emphasis on two, two handed, two weapon, dual wielding combat. So two axes basically, and you can upgrade all these weapons and, um, add new parts and pieces to then make them better stronger, all that stuff. Um, there is going to be uh, open world activities with hunting, fishing, etc., which I think is useless. Um, shouldn't be in there, uh, in the world itself. It's gonna be ninth century England during the dark ages. And then, uh, you will have, um, the map will include Norway as well as, um, after the Vikings leave, they're going to enter the four Kings of England, Wessex, North Umbria, East Anglia, and Mercia and major cities will include London, Winchester and Jorvik. Um, and um there's also going to be some uh this will be a day one launch title for the series x and ps5 and um everything all your gear is customizable um players will be able to make custom viking raiders for the raiding parties uh you'll be able to forge a home for themselves and either vikings with the focus on building a settlement your viking homestead you can upgrade barracks blacksmiths tattoo parlor etc Um, Alliance examples include conducting a marriage, unite clans, romance options available too. So there's just like, there's, there's a lot of stuff here and that's what's bothers me. It's just like, I love, I I love all this idea of things, but it's just like with what time? Yeah. I feel you. Anyway, I feel you. So Assassin's Creed, I'm excited about it. Like I want to play this. I'm always like, I've, even though it's like they've ran this, they've done so much Assassin's Creed, I, I've always appreciated Assassin's Creed and it's, it's one of my more favorite franchises. Not as much as of late, but it still has a deep place in my heart and I, I just hope it's hope it's fun and we'll see where it goes. All right, so next story. Moving on to Google. We haven't talked about them in a while. Google launched Stadia and um, it was kind of uh, not a good launch. Um, they didn't have a lot of exclusive games for it, so it's like, why buy it? when you can just buy it elsewhere. Um, You have to pay for the games on the Stadia hardware. So it's like, well, if I'm going to pay whatever money for, you know, Doom, I might as well buy it on my PC where I can play with better graphics because it's not streaming. Um, But either way, Stadia is still working on making things better. And they had a Connect last week in which they announced a variety of new titles coming to their streaming service, including PUBG, so PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds will be coming uh, to the, the system. You can also get Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, and another thing, too, is they have different pricing models now. So uh, $29.99 will be the base version of the game. Well, actually, that's just for buying the game. But they're also releasing uh, Madden and FIFA coming later on. Um, and there are some new games that were announced for Stadia. That's the first on Stadia. One is called Creta. It's an all ages game that lets players create multiplayer games and share them online. Uh, Get Packed, Wave Break, which is a 1980s Miami Vice inspired arcade sport game. Ember, which is a firefighting game. Austin, there you go. Join an elite group of firefighters as they, put, they save lives and put out Infernos. Zombie Army 4 Dead War is going to be free with Stadia Pro. Um, Octopath Traveler is coming to Stadia. And then Rock of Ages 3. So those are a couple of the games that are coming to Stadia to try and keep it alive. I know they've made Stadia. Basic is free. And then if you upgrade to the pro version, it costs X number of dollars a month, which gives you 4K capabilities um, and a slew of a few other features. But you still have to buy the game regardless. But some of the games are coming free, like the Zombie Army game. So um, interesting, but still nothing that's like... Oh man, I gotta go buy this. I gotta go get all my stuff set up for Google Stadia. I still want it, you know. Yeah, I'm just waiting
1: for the day they're like, "Sorry guys, we're shutting it down." <laughs> yeah, it could happen. Uh, I'm surprised it's lasted this long because like nobody's on Stadia. Just, just nobody is. Like, you can't. How are you can play multiplayer games? There's nobody there. There's nobody there, man. Well, the, I think the multiplayer
0: games are still combining with the other platforms. Um, I hope so. It's yeah. There's just the you yeah. So if you're playing Stadia, I think you're just playing with like PC players, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, either I mean, I still think it's it's kind of a. I was kind of surprised because I was hoping they would have had a good launch because I mean Google's kind of known for trying these new ideas and then ending up half of them work and half of them fail. And I was thinking that this would be one that wouldn't fail, but it turns out it's probably going to. I don't know if they can redeem themselves, and Google's pretty good. If they have a failure, they don't really put a lot of time into trying to make it better. Um, they just kind of give up on it. Like Google plus, for example, they brought that out. It was doing well for a little bit and then it started failing and then they eventually were just like, Oh, we're just going to shut down. And, um, they've done that with many products in the past. So I could see them doing that with this one. And I think this is best reserved for PlayStation Xbox to stay in that game space and work on it. And then they just partner with them because like project X clouds doing really well so far. I mean, it's not like mainstream, but it's more logical because I feel like they could tie that into like a Xbox game pass subscription and then you could stream games and then have no problems with that. Um, steam has a good solution where like I can stream games for my PC as long as my PC is turned on and I'm using steam somewhere else, I can stream a game and it doesn't cost me anything. It just works. And that's awesome. Just so works. yeah, um, I kind of bum, but I'm not bummed. I'm, I'm just, I'm content. That's how it should be. Google Stadia just needs to do better and they're not exactly so that is that (laughs) that is that i like it. that is that all right so the last story we have for the new segment the last of us 2 we recently talked about how the last of us 2 was delayed indefinitely um, because of the fact that they were not comfortable with the global launch they could perform uh, due to the current covid pandemic that we are currently in Um, so with that, that meant there was no release date. The game was finished, but they, uh, didn't want to release it yet because they didn't feel like they could make it the global launch that they wanted. So time went off for a little bit. And then, um, not too long ago, there was a leak online, which do not look up this leak because it will not be a good thing to do that. But a leak came out online that basically spoiled the game for people. Um, if you looked at the content. So don't look at the content unless you want The Last of Us 2 to be spoiled. And um, as you can imagine, Naughty Dog was pretty upset with that. Um, the fact that, you know, the the main story arcs of their game were put out on the internet and um, they went tracking them down. Apparently I just read that they found the person or people involved. They were not affiliated with Sony uh, or uh, Naughty Dog, but they were discovered and I don't know what they're, what's going to happen to them. But... uh <laughs> I don't know.
1: We'll, we'll see where that goes, but yeah. um people. They basically released a statement. Do what? was that? People are not happy about what got leaked. No. And I'm trying not. <clears throat> I'm trying all my hardest to not. L- yeah. Listen. Definitely don't look at it. Yeah. Um, but uh, they did state they came out
0: and said that you know, Naughty Dog released a statement saying they're really bummed, obviously that this happened, but they said avoid looking at this stuff if you can, because we worked really hard on this and to have this secret that we've been holding. S- to only be revealed when the game comes out to be revealed before it comes out is really heartbreaking for them. And they want people to enjoy the game as it was meant to be enjoyed. So you can avoid watching the spoilers, definitely do that and then wait for the game. And they said, there's still going to be some good surprises in there that you haven't had leaked yet, but either way, I think it's good to wait. But with that all said, uh, the game was coming out at the end of may and I was like, crap, that means we're not, I mean, what if this is gets pushed back to be a next gen title or something like that? Um, well, it's not, it's actually now just coming out a month later, June 19th is a new date. So we're getting it way sooner than we thought. And I think some of this might've been in response to the fact the game was leaked and they didn't want more to get leaked, I would imagine. So they were like, fuck it. Let's just, we need to get it out and get people actually like control the narrative basically, literally, um, and, uh, bring it out. So June 19th is a new date. And with that, one of the things that kind of bummed me out a little bit is that because Last of Us is dropping in June, Ghost of Tsushima was going to be dropping in June, but Sony obviously doesn't want two of their big titles launching in the same month, so they've now pushed back Ghost of Tsushima to July 17th. Um, So you were going to get Last of Us in May, and then Ghost of Tsushima in June. Now you're getting Last of Us in June and Ghost of Tsushima in July.
1: So there you have it. Those uh, are the new dates. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot, to co- that's a lot to cover in a short period of time. Yeah. Man. It won't be a boring summer for us, that's for sure. It won't, what I, I miss the summer lull. <laughs> we can I get caught know. up on stuff, but that doesn't happen anymore. Blame COVID for that. Yeah, thanks, COVID. Yeah, because then after that, I mean, like, that's
0: July, and then I'm trying to think if there's anything coming out in August. That's, like, a big deal. Um, I don't think there's anything yet in August. But September, we have Marvel's Avengers. And then also in September, we got Cyberpunk 2077. So, yeah. It's crazy, man. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Good stuff. And bad stuff. I still need to play Last of Us 1 and get through it and experience it so I know what all the hype is about, all the hubbub. (laughs) Hubbub. Yeah. Very cool, man. So there you have it. That is the news for this week, everybody um if you have any desire to watch uh videos of this which we'll put on some video content with trailers and all that stuff you can go to our youtube channel youtube.com slash um and uh subscribe bang that bell to get the videos as they launch stay tuned we'll be right back with our discussion topic on stuff we'll be right back it's gonna be exciting trust me you're gonna love it you're listening to
1: the inner gamer
0: week we dive into a hot topic about video games and this week we're going to be talking about the question can disney plus be a video game platform uh, the reason for this topic is an article that came out uh actually last year on tech radar uh that was an opinion by an author or writer james o'malley december twenty seventh, 2019 he said why disney plus should be a gaming platform and i was like huh that's very interesting i've never thought about that So I've been wanting to revisit this question for a long time, just been pushing it back due to all the other hot things that come in at the beginning of the year as they do. Um, And here we are now. Uh, Obviously Disney Plus has been out for a little bit. Disney Plus is the streaming platform for Disney, which you can watch all of Disney's, a lot of Disney's content from Disney shows to Pixar shows to Marvel content, Star Wars content, Um, all that stuff is all falling under this license. You can go on there and watch old Star Wars movies, old Marvel movies, new Marvel movies, new exclusive content. All that stuff is all available under this one subscription platform. And it's pretty awesome. Um, During this COVID crisis, uh, they've even been going direct to release or direct to streaming with uh, some of their movies. The latest, uh, I think it was a Disney movie or a Pixar movie, one of the two, that just came out, Like, just skipped the movie theaters because they're shut down right now and uh, went straight to a streaming release and didn't do too bad. I don't know financially how it did. I'm sure it was definitely not as good as it would have been if it was in the box office for $15 a ticket. But um, it did get watched a lot, and people still consumed it as they would. Um, So I was curious to open up the discussion of what if Disney took their massive behemoth of properties that they own and developed their own gaming platform – so that they could not only release exclusive games that are from their library of stuff to this platform, but also re-release um games that have been around forever that you could play on this thing. So I'm thinking like, you know, the original Battlefront. Um, I'm thinking Knights of the Old Republic, I'm thinking um, you know, Jedi Academy, all these different games that have been released over the years. Uh, from all these different publishers that has the Disney name on it now that they own some rights to. Um, could that stuff be released, available as a subscription service, and would people be interested in buying something like this uh, for all these games? So before I go on any further, Austin, what are your initial thoughts on
1: on this idea of Disney Plus as a gaming platform? Um, I would love to see this come out. I think it would be really interesting... And I think people would actually pay for this, given you know certain things happen along the way. Um, I think <laughs> it's very optimistic for us to bring up this conversation because, given how they treated uh, Lucas Arts, which was the gaming company uh, company of Lucasfilm, uh, you know they laid off everybody, disbanded. Well, they didn't disband them, but they still have. They they st- they own Lucas right now, but it's only a like. Holder company to, uh, you know, hold the licenses of some of the properties that, you know, LucasArts has right now. Um, but I think, you know, if they really wanted to turn it around and, you know, they have enough money, they could really reboot LucasArts, make it into a studio that could dish out a bunch of awesome games, given they want to go through with um, bringing back some old properties. I, th- I think if this was to be successful, they would need to remaster some. Some games uh, like Knights of the Old Republic and, you know, Jedi Academy, like those are really awesome games. I had a lot of fun with, you know, and I think that could pave the way to, you know, opening up like, you know, what are, what are they capable of? And then um, pushing forward to obviously the current universe of Star Wars and, you know, you can even have the Avengers in here, you know, all the Marvel stuff. You can make a lot of awesome games coming out of this and, if it was a, a decently priced, uh, you know, I don't know, how, I don't know what's a good price. You know, ten dollars a month, fifteen dollars a month. You get all these games, you get all these old games too, like all these ones that you know we played growing up in their original form. I think people would really bite into that. <clears throat> um, I know on Steam they do a bunch of like Star Wars sales, where you get a whole slew, like almost a whole library full of old Star Wars games that um, obviously I don't think they hold up at all in this day and age, but, you know, some nostalgia to, to be had. And, you know, once they get their bearings together, they could really, you know, they, they need someone who has a good plan, uh, a good strategy, like knows the industry pretty well and can like a, like cord bar log, someone like that to really make some, you know, heavy hitter games, story-based, that can expand the universe in meaningful ways, and really, uh, you know, carve out a piece of the pie in the gaming space. But you need, like, I think you—they would have to actually get people that we know right now, like some really interesting, like uh, Kevin Levine. That might be cool.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Like making sure you have the right creative minds mm-hmm. behind the platforms or behind the games to produce original content for it um, I think, I think makes a lot of sense. And I, I think there'd be a lot of people that would jump on that bandwagon of like, you know, somebody comes to them and says, Hey, I mean, like look at respawn, they came to them and say, Hey, do you guys want to make a single player star Wars game? They're like, fuck yeah, let's make it. And then Jedi fallen order came out and it was a huge success. So, um, and I think with that, you know, like Disney plus has a potential because they just had fallen order. They have battlefront two, which is still, you know, after their flip flop that happened in the very beginning. Uh, now it's, running pretty strong and i think people are still actively playing that game and if it could be part of this service where like i see them going hand in hand in a way where disney would offer a subscription service ten dollars a month that was both your disney plus movies and then your games together so it could be like one subscription for the whole family that would encompass the games content and then the video content for everybody to experience and stuff like that. And I don't know if that would be something that they, they would go about because it's, you know, there's definitely different platforms or different ways that you have to provide that content. Cause one is streaming video. The other one is streaming interactive content. But, um, you know, looking at Netflix last year, work with black mirror developers to create Bandersnatch, which had some interactive elements to it. Like you couldn't play it on everything, but if you had a game console, it worked. And you could jump in there and and do it. So you could have things like that where you can watch video content on a device that also allows gaming to play. And uh, that could be pretty interesting. Um, And then they also, you know, later this year, they got Marvel Avengers coming out. And that could be something that if you have the Disney Plus subscription, because that game is going to be a live service, could be something that you would automatically have access to with this subscription service. So not only would you be able to play Jedi Fallen Order, you'd have Marvel's Avengers and then whatever else they decide to develop in the future. Plus you're getting these, these videos that are coming out on a regular basis, you know, TV shows, movies, all that stuff. So (laughs) because they have such a huge content library of stuff and such large properties with such strong, financially valuable IPs, I think there's a lot of potential with this idea. It's just how, how they kind of package it is a big part of it. And like you said, like, what kind of creatives they get involved because you can't just re like you can only last, like as we've seen with Disney Plus, like the whole reason people signed up for Disney Plus was not, I mean, there there was some people that definitely signed up to see old movies and TV shows. But a lot of the reason people signed up for it was because there's a brand new TV series for Star Wars called The Mandalorian that was exclusive to Disney Plus. So like, fuck yeah, let's get this and then we also can watch some old shows. And I'd be curious to see what the drop-off rate was of people after Mandalorian ended if anybody cancel their subscription, because I haven't canceled mine yet.
1: Oh, I um, did. I did immediately.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious to know how many of them were like you versus, you know, me where I was just like, I, mean, I just have the Hulu Disney plus bundle thing. So it's just all tied together, <clears throat> but I don't watch Disney plus as much as I did, but there is stuff coming out here and there that I'm like, I'm just going to see what's on here right now. Oh yeah, for sure. And I'll
1: pick it up. So they have um, an extensive library on disney plus like extensive yeah i think lizette watched a bunch of disney stuff for like three days almost yeah. straight there's just so much on there but after that she was like yeah i think i've seen everything i want to see and i was like good because i'm canceling it
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm even thinking like you know spider-man technically yeah well sort of could fall under this i don't know now that it's kind of in flush right now true. But, um i mean i would definitely see them bringing back old old star wars games um but i don't know what the license situations are with those games you know because gaming space i think they probably had different licensing restrictions with it whereas like movie content they're paying to produce the movie but they're not always paying to produce the game they're just licensing the content for other creators to make that stuff so there might be some different rules around that but I could see some value in it. I mean, I I don't think there would be a need. Like I would hate to have another launcher. (laughs) Like you mentioned earlier of like having to run that. But I mean, if it's, and I don't know if I want it to be streaming either. Like, I mean, I would like, I think the idea of it streaming would be great, but like, what are the benefits, the pros and cons of having all of it in one place where you don't have to plug in and play a bunch of fancy hardware, but you can just sit there and play Disney related content whether it be a game or a TV show, is there a value there? There might not be yet. I mean, now that I think about it, it's like, there's a lot of good games, but are you going to be okay with potential degradation quality? Or do you have to build in systems to where it's, it's able to adapt to um, the fact that, you know, you have a Disney user who is either going to be somebody that has a $300 laptop or it's gonna be somebody that has a $5,000 PC gaming rig, you know what I mean So it's like how do you cater to both audiences with one singular platform? you either stream it or you have one person have a much less lesser experience than the other because of the fact that it's not streaming and it's dependent on your hardware. Um, so yeah I don't, I don't, I don't know well, what do you think what it should it be do you, do you sway one way or the other if they like if this platform were to exist, would it be a streaming platform for gaming? Or would it be more you download and play platform?
1: I mean, if they wait a few years, it, it might, they might be able to go streaming platform. But yeah. currently, yeah. I mean, I would, if they're about to launch it now or like in the next two years, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think we're there yet. Maybe we're closer than I believe we are. It's definitely possible. But yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think streaming is the way to go right now. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. But I mean, <clears throat> Disney has the money to invest to make that happen, but even if they did, we're still a few years out because just how our, I think, internet's set up in America right now.
0: Yeah. Just, uh, I feel like, you know, Disney's tried so hard to get into gaming and really take it like like take a grasp of it, and they just haven't been able to do it very well. Right. I mean, they had, like, Disney Infinity for a while that was I thought was doing pretty good, but then all of a sudden they just, like, shut that down. Or, like, we're done with this. Yeah. Um, and they still have a foothold like with Kingdom Hearts like it's interesting that they were able to get involved in that and have such a you know even though they don't own that property they license all their shit for it um, so that's even another game that could show up on this platform. It's like if you had a Disney Plus platform you could have Kingdom Hearts mm. Marvel's Avengers, Star yeah. Wars Jedi Fallen Order probably Spider-Man um, all the old Star Wars games there's a lot of stuff. Marvel Ultimate Alliance could be on there um there's a lot of uh a lot of potential but um yeah i don't know
1: how well, they would I, th- I think um the way the the whole merger went from lucas films to disney went about i think i think they just shot themselves in the foot or uh yeah they they just shot themselves in the foot because the way that they've treated <coughs> excuse me the the gaming aspect of lucas film Uh, has been appalling because they only send it out to third parties right now, right? So, like, Electronic Arts, for the foreseeable future, is the one who's making all of the EA games. And Disney's such a huge entity. They have the money to do a lot of stuff, but, like, do they want to do that, is the question. And I feel like, yeah, if if they go and try to remaster some of these old games, I think they're going to have to pay out to certain uh, entities, like, money, just because of how things were back then and the people worked on it and you know, who's to say who gets what or whatever um, for, you know, creative IP and stuff like that. But um, I just think they don't want to deal with that. And then it's easier just to be like, Hey, (laughs) well, they can, they can help a friend out another, you know, big business like EA, like here, make this, you'll make money. I'll, we'll make money and everything will be just, you know, absolutely great. You know? Um, And I just think, Video games is an afterthought to them at this point, and they really want to focus on just that, you know, film and TV stuff, and which is fine. I think it's great. But and the way that they've kind of don't want to touch all the old stuff that's been made to begin with, like story-wise, you know, they're making the New Republic uh, series. I don't know how far along that is or where they're at in the process, but, you know, it's like, why not dive into the Old Republic and talk about that a little bit? you know like there's so much there so much there's a whole universal stuff you know they don't want to dive into all these books and things like that I forgot what they are saying I think Kathleen Kennedy said something like you know we we don't try to make she was talking about the last movie in the series um, and she said we didn't have like a lot of material to go off overall making new stuff but then everyone's like everyone who likes star Wars, like well you have all this other stuff but for some reason no one wants to touch that so it's just kind of like they're so up in the air about what they want to create like they want to create all this new stuff but i you know it's like how do you get people onto that and that's fine like you know we want to see new things we want to see new worlds uh but there's a way to do that and i think maybe if you put that into the video game format it's a little easier to get people digested onto that because you can do more and tell more and describe more of these things that people might see in the future in movies, you know, in a 20 hour game than you would in a two hour movie. Yeah. So, but again, they just don't seem to want to really touch video games currently, which kind of sucks because they have the funds to do it and they couldn't do something really awesome. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, it's, I, I can see why
0: they want to stay away from it. Um, Just like, like I think you mentioned, it was, they, they have so much running on the other stuff that they have and it's, it's making so much money. Like that's just another piece of the pie that they have to have to manage and deal with. But I think, I mean, there's just so many things that they could, like I would love to see them expand all these different characters and make some kind of game out of it. But then they probably would not put as much time and emphasis into it as they probably could because they're, I mean, games are a lot harder overall to make than movies are. So it's, it's going to take a lot longer to produce a full game to the level of quality that you have for an equivalent TV show, for example. Um, And that's, that's kind of a struggle. Um, I was looking through all the stuff that's coming out later this year that they're, they're working on and, Um, a lot of it obviously is going to be Marvel stuff like WandaVision, the Falcon, the super soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, stuff like that. But there's, um, like I'm thinking of like, like just family friendly games that could be interesting, like, like DuckTales and stuff like that, that would be kind of cool to see or I don't know, like old, like Chip and Dale stuff on here I'm looking at. That may be coming. I wonder what that stuff would be if, if people would have any interest in that, or if it'd be like, nah, don't worry about it, because it's you know we want blood and guts and destruction and chaos in our games. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean,
0: like, I mean, like, what if they made like, what if Disney Plus as a streaming platform for games was like producing Disney games that were like indie titles, like they got any developers to build. Games based on Disney licenses versus let's get Marvel like Crystal Dynamics to make Marvel Avengers. What if they said let's get the guys that made Firewatch to make freaking a Lion King story in a game, or Don't Not Entertainment makes freaking you know the next I don't know WandaVision
1: yeah video game yeah. No, I think that'd be awesome, man. I think I think that, that that's something they would need. Like that's something actually interesting. I think people would. Dive into be like, oh, let me check out these games because I mean, both those companies have a very unique style and how they tell things, right? Um, yeah, personality and adding that to the Star Wars universe is, you know, not only is it, uh, you know, the universe amazing, but like that just elevates that to a whole different level. Yeah, yeah, it
0: does. Um, a lot, a lot of things to think about with it, but um, I don't know if if they would. I don't see it. I guess as a anything that we would see in the short term but i think there definitely is a <clears throat> viability there for them to re- return to um try and get back in the games space and using the disney plus platform as a literal platform to distribute right. some of these games in some way yeah um like they don't have a—I mean they have all these streaming apps on the different platforms that they're already on but or even just doing some kind of licensing agreements like maybe they do a partnership with steam where they become like a publisher that's It's a section of steam you go onto where you can get Disney related games, you know, that they've, they've partnered with, but I could see them like just wanting to put it all under like a launcher, like they have everything else. And then you can watch TV shows from there, or you can also, it's kind of like with VR, like in VR, you can go in there and watch movies, TV shows or play virtual reality games. Um, So it's like one platform to do three different types of things. Um, That'd be cool. So I could see Disney plus doing something similar.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in the future when we have like AR VR headsets that everyone has. Oh yeah. something like that. Maybe maybe they like, yeah, go to a park and play, you know, Clone Wars with your friends and use your phone as your gun and you know, choo 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 choo
0: <laughs> Oh man, that'll be coming in the future. I'm telling you. Laugh now. It's, it's, it's the reality. I'm telling you, man. I It'll be it. here. Yep. I mean look at us with Pokemon Go for a while oh, you know, we were out there freaking catching Pokemon like weirdos and yeah you're right you're the right. world there's hope man there's hope for a better future <laughs> all right so uh, that's gonna wrap it up for discussion this week everybody if you want to contribute to next week's segment uh, give us a shout at to intergamer.net and you can join us also on our discord channel with the link in the show notes uh, if you have any suggestions for a future conversation topic of interest that you would like to have us talk about you know just let us know give us give us a shout Uh, We'll be right back with our uh, upcoming free games of the month because there are no more games for the next week coming out. But we are going to talk about some free games of the month. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: You're listening to The Inner Gamer.
0: Looking forward to next week, let's talk about our free games of the month because there are no games coming out next week that are something that I want to talk about. So, But we do have free games of the month because it is May. And in May, we have on PS4 two games you can play, Cities Skylines for the PS4 and Farming Simulator 19. So if you want to get to them crops, you better go on there and download some Farming Simulator 19. And then on Xbox, you can get four games. V-Rally 4, Warhammer 4000, Inquisitor, Martyrs, Sensible World of Soccer, and Overlord 2. I played Overlord 2 a long time ago, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that game. The other games, I don't really care about that much. But uh, that is cool. Um, not not as exciting of a lineup this time around as usual. But uh, there's been a lot of good stuff coming out on PS4. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where it is. But right now, we're kind of in a lull. So, there's some games, but nothing, nothing too crazy. But... If you're not, young folks of the world, there will be more to come soon now that more games are starting to get their release dates back again. So stay tuned for that. And with that, that's going to wrap up our show this week. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a comment or review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to join us in the Digital form on our streams every single Wednesday. You can come join us and hang out with us and watch us as we kill ourselves and Divinity Original Sin and all that stuff. So there you go. Oh, yeah. It's going to be
1: awesome. And if you enjoy uh, our content, please consider supporting the show by donating over at the innergamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast videos and events even better. You can also join in on the conversation over on our Discord channel. So check out the show notes for that link. And as always, if you cannot contribute monetarily, take the time to share this episode with a friend, family, family member, or loved one. And getting more eyes in front of our content uh, helps more than you know. So we enjoy you. We appreciate your continued support. I'm Austin Morales. And I am Bray Noski. And you've been listening to the New Gamer Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Podcast out!
0: claps. Did you get... The first one would have been light. The claps the are th-
1: back. Yay.
0: That's weird. Okay, so it was Discord's uh, fault.
1: Discord's fault, yes. Alright, I saw my headset headset, so... Yeah. That didn't sound fine, but everything else sounded fine. Oh, it sounds great.
0: Oh, sorry. Can't say you didn't hear that time. I heard it on your end. I heard
1: right. it. I didn't hear shit. I'm sorry. It didn't work. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs>
0: Fuck you. Like <laughs> right. face. Three, two. La 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 la. Uh, oh, sorry. One.